With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. I'm Corey Engelhart. I'm the host. This is the 30th episode. Um, tonight, my guest uh, is someone I haven't met in person uh, before, but I'm excited to chat. We've we've talked a little bit before this podcast about what what the show would entail and and um, a little bit at least and um, a little bit about our, our backgrounds uh, together. But I'm excited to get to know him a little bit and talk some baseball, talk some uh, living in a different area of the country than the team you maybe cheer for and, and just get some, get some topics out there and, and start the conversation. So um, I'm going to bring him on we can get him introduced and then we'll get the show started. So I hope you enjoy one moment. Shay, are you there? Hey, Corey. Yeah, this is Shay. How you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. I, I was hoping I pronounced your first name correctly because I, yeah. I was guessing, but I, 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 you said it the, similarly to the way I pronounce it, so it must have worked out okay so yep. far. Like Shea Stadium. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in fact, I, I have a Shea Stadium uh, uh, picture frame on my desk. So, um, yep, absolutely. Oh, is is that is that where your parents uh, came up with your name? You know, I uh, n- no. Um, it uh, I guess it's really popular in Ireland. I mean, last okay. name's McGinnity, so uh, pretty Irish name as a whole. Uh, so I think that's why. But ultimately, since I'm a baseball fan, of course, I had to get a, a Shea Stadium uh, picture frame. You know, sure. Have you have you been to Shea? I, I have not. Have you been to Shea? No, I have not. Uh, I travel a lot for for work, so uh, I, no matter what, when I travel, I try to either either stop in at a stadium or a brewery, one or the other, and uh, still have not been up to. Um, I've been to New York, but I've never been to the uh, two stadiums there, or for that matter, Fenway. Not nothing in the Northeast, really. So, unfortunately, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next time, then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because yeah, well, uh, the Sam Adams uh, and later Fenway uh, weekend could be uh, pretty exciting. I would think if those are uh, interests you have. Yeah, we were actually going to do Sam Adams. I think two months ago we were in Boston area, um, and we were going to do the whole Sam Adams tour and. Um, it was too far from where we were. And then we were going to do a Fenway tour and it happened to be closed the weekend we were there. Oh no. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but we did the JFK tour and we did the, uh, what was the other thing we did? Uh, well, the, the aquarium and uh, great city though. That was, that was a great city yeah. there. Cool. Well, um, I suppose we should get you introduced. So Shay, yeah. where, where are you 
uh, if you want to start with where you're from, who you are, and, and maybe uh, how people can contact you via social media, how how you would be comfortable with that after the show. Sure. Um, if they have questions about baseball or whatnot. So. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, yeah, obviously you and I have been talking uh, for, a, for a long time now. Uh, along with a lot of other Twins community uh, on Twitter, uh, which happens to be probably where I spend the majority of my time other than working and being with my family. Um, But uh, (laughs) uh, I'm at uh, um, handle uh, at Shea McGinnity, so S-H-E-A, like Shea Stadium, and then McGinnity, M-C-G-I-N-N-I-T-Y. And uh, mostly I'm talking about Twins baseball more than anything else, I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as far as my background, um, obviously I I grew up in Minnesota. That's still, that's still home to me. So I, uh, I grew up in Shoreview. Um, so Northern suburb of uh, St. Paul and uh, my family all still lives there. And, uh, it's, you know, at this time of the year, it's nice to be away because it's not quite as cold as, uh, as Minnesota. It's about 20 (laughs) degrees, always warmer. Um, sometimes, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that's the nice side. We get more ice than snow here. Um, sure. in fact, schools were canceled for the kids today because of ice and it wasn't even that bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, they closed schools quickly here. Um, yep. yet I can count on one hand how many times schools were canceled when I lived there. Uh, so, sure. uh, yeah, so I grew up in Minnesota and in Shoreview and, um, my wife and I, we moved away about almost exactly eight years ago. So it was 2010, okay. January 2010. And, uh, you know, there's definitely the key elements I miss are the, are the twins and Vikings, the sports in general. I mean, it's a good sports town here, but uh, not quite like the Twin Cities. And uh, But, uh, yeah, I, I played baseball growing up. I, I played in um, Shoreview Ball, which was always known for being a really good uh, baseball uh, you know, summer league, and then um, and then played in uh, for Moundsview High School, uh, which they I think won state like three years ago. Um, sure. And uh, and kind of dipped my foot into playing in college at St. Thomas, um, but uh, more or less went to tryouts, kind of went down the path of tryouts, and then quickly dropped out because I don't know how those guys in college do it. Um, doing actual, you know, actual practicing then the games and then somehow you have to get decent grades and get through college. So uh, that was ultimately why I didn't do any further. But, I, you know, I was a, I was a, a little center fielder. I'm a teeny little guy, uh, five, you know, five, five. And uh, I always idolized twins players like Puckett growing up and, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously Hunter and, uh, later on, Span and now Buxton, because uh, I I just loved center field. Um, I was a a uh, little deer out there, um, but <laughs> I was not a very good hitter. So you know, you give and take, right? Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, so it, it was fun. I but I, I've always grown up just loving the Twins. Um, been a huge diehard Twins fan. Um, followed them for a long time, and I think as as time went on, I, I remember. In 2002, um, I, I had to have an outlet. I think you and I have talked about this with our wives. You have to have an outlet to talk about twins because otherwise mm-hmm. they go crazy. And mm-hmm. uh, 
So that's where Twitter kind of comes in, <laughs> or this for that matter, the podcast, uh, or blogs in some people's cases. And I remember talking to a guy, I worked at a the Twins Orthopedic Clinic, actually, in Fairview University, um, uh, down on Riverside Campus. And uh, I was talking to the guy and I said, hey, you know, I, I, I love the Twins, you know, how, how do I get, you know, is there other places other than like Star Tribune or Pioneer Press to read about the Twins? He was brought me on to Aaron Gleeman. And, uh, you know, that was back in 2002. And sure. I've, ever since then, I've just been addicted to Sesto's and Bonus and uh, Nick Nelson's writings and yeah. um, Nygaard, you name it. I mean, they all, they kind of, they're incredible writers. It's not my skill set, but uh, definitely got me into everything related to the twins. Um, but did being down here now is a little bit different because you just, you don't, you don't have that a fanfare that you're able to kind of like you guys are going to the winter meltdown. It sounded like um, be cool to be a part of that. Sure. Well, so you mentioned Kansas city um, in terms of like, I, I love the, the little bit of time I've spent in Kansas city. I, I love that town, that area. Um, and they have the Negro League Museum that I, I need to get to at some yeah. point still that I haven't uh, been lucky enough to attend. But y- you were saying even as great of a sports town that it is, they don't necessarily have something like uh, Twins Daily or even like the baseball community for fans that is up in this area. And, and you you kind of feel sad about that in a certain sense and wanted to discuss that a little bit. What what do you what what do you think is is so unique about what uh, Minnesota does for sports fans of the Twins that other communities or other teams either don't have or don't have have at the same sort of level. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, well, I guess first off, if, if you're a Twins fan and you've never been to Kauffman or been down to Kansas city for a game, highly recommended. It's a beautiful Mm -hmm. stadium. And the fans are awesome here. I I would put them up with probably the top five fans in baseball. Um, but uh, and it's a great food town as well. <laughs> but you know, the, I've heard. <laughs> the, yeah, it is. It's 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 great. And and Kaufman, like I said, it's one of my favorite stadiums in the in the in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a really a different experience. So you know, you go to Target Field. Um, and to be honest, I've only been to Target Field a handful of times because we moved shortly after it came into existence. Uh, so sure. you know, Metrodome, unfortunately, it was always my experience. Uh, but when you go to target field, you know, tailgating is a little bit complex. You can't really do it that easily. Um, as easy as it is in, at Kaufman because they have these monstrous parking lots to be able to tailgate. And so that's really the experience more. It's more like a football game, um, which is great. Um, uh, but, uh, and when I first moved here, they, obviously we all know the Royals were just terrible, um, at the time, mm-hmm. uh, 2010, and uh, they were just starting to ramp up to become what they became. And uh, so it was nice because, you know, I have, I have two boys and, and they were still pretty bad. My boys were, were, you know, under three. And I would, I'd bring them to games and, you know, I'd only have to throw $25 at, in total at three tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, I mean, it's, it's a $150 venture. Um, which is, yeah, it's a lot to swallow. Um, and it's because they went those world series and, and so forth. But to get back to your, your question, um, 
you know, Twins fans, and I told you this earlier, and I mean this in the, in the most respectful, positive way, is they're, they're spoiled. Uh, us Twins fans, we're, we are all spoiled. Down here, they have nothing like Twins Daily. Um, and I talked to my diehard Royals fan all the time about this. I showed them the website and the, you know, the writers and the quality of their writing um, and analysis. And we talked about Parker Hagerman and how he, he breaks down swing analysis and pitch analysis, all this crazy stuff that I couldn't even imagine being able to do. Um, and they just, they just don't have that here. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, or the, you know, the uh, podcast, I mean, there's yours, obviously there's uh, now Sestos has one and uh, Gleeman and the geek, obviously. And then Brandon has his and Phil Mackey has, and Derek Whitmore have theirs. I mean, those are some solid podcasts and, uh, it that that down now i will say their sports radio is very good down here um mm-hmm. but uh so they're actually because they have two competitive radio stations that are, are very solid uh okay but you know it's it's a great fanhood down here i will say that just a little different experience from a from a uh community aspect sure well uh, before we go more into it i will second your thoughts I, i've been to kaufman it's one of the better stadium and baseball experiences I've been for a major league level in the country. And I've been to a few stadiums. Um, Yeah. I I love the idea that it shares a parking lot with the football stadium and it absolutely promotes uh, tailgating and hanging out before after games for kind of community party sort of atmosphere where everyone can get together and congregate. Like I, I loved that, that part of it as well as just the stadium. It was, I don't remember when Kaufman was built, but it wasn't it wasn't one of the newer stadiums, and it wasn't one of the newer stadiums in the 90s, and they still were cutting edge as far as sight lines. And when you were ordering food, you could see the game, and a lot of those things that the Metrodome just wasn't possible. And I, I was really floored by that, too, the few times I've been down there to see games. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really a great experience for anyone that hasn't been. Yeah, highly recommend it. I mean, then you can do the whole barbecue experience, the Negro League Baseball Museum, just a cool experience. Uh, lots of, you know, great museums and um, great shopping if, you know, you bring, if you're into that. Uh, so um, you can do a lot of different things. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I And I, I really do like um, the, their team. It reminds me a lot of kind of uh, the early success of the Twins back in, the, you know, the – Tory Hunter, early 2000 years, um, mm-hmm. back when they, when the Royals were building up to their World Series, and um, their ge- general manager Dayton Moore is, is a, you know, he's a heck of a good guy, and I've seen him present. Uh, it's funny actually. I met a really good friend he, down here in Kansas City um, at a event where Dayton Moore was speaking, and he was taking questions mm-hmm. from the audience, and uh, I remember asking him about Max Kepler because I said, you know. Mm-hmm it seems to be broadening how they're going out and recruiting guys across the, the country or across the world. Um, you know, it used to just be um, Korea, Japan, Dominican Republic and Venezuela, wherever. And now of course, Germany, I was just curious, you know, where they kind of see the next, uh, next push being, which he didn't really have an answer for that. But the funny thing is a guy sure. that came running up to me afterwards, he's now a really good friend <laughs> of mine down here. And he's a diehard Twins fan, too. So he just happened oh, cool. to be in the same situation. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. <laughs> That's nice. Well, yeah, so I I wanted to ask your 
we've kind of started talking about it a little bit just last show now. Your your thoughts on uh, following and being, and you've said that you, your other team now is the Royals because it's hard to not cheer for a team that you're living by. But you're you're a Twins fan first because that's where you grew up. How how would you describe being a fan of a team that isn't <laughs> isn't on local TV and isn't talked about on Sports Talk where you live and is a seven hour drive if you hit zero traffic to to go and see like <laughs> how is it being a fan of a team that you're uh not in that region yeah it's it's um it's it's sometimes i mean it's tough because i i mean it's great too because um you know you get that uh alternative fan experience with with the royals but what's made it easier and this is obviously just a recent phenomenon or situation is, is with podcasts have really made it easier to bring that community, even though it's, it's further apart, um, you know, or Twitter for that matter, you're able to uh, still speak to all sorts of people that are dire twins fans and share thoughts. Um, but yeah, the, I've, I have grown to, respect the Royals and they are my probably second team. I don't follow their minors like I do the twins though. I'm kind of a minor league nerd um, with the (laughs) twins. Um, And, you know, so I don't really know what the punch of their young guys coming up. I know they're triple a guys maybe. Uh, But ultimately, um, you know, I, where I became a Royals fan, I was at the play in game when they played the Oakland athletics. Um, Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, that, that game, that's what really why they won the World Series the next year mm-hmm. was because of that game and what happened in the, I think it was the seventh inning and beyond. Uh, it was a funny ex- experience, actually, because we were, a friend of mine, we were, we were at the game, and I think they were down like, I want to say four or five runs. I forget now. But um, I had an interview that I had to fly to Colorado the next day, uh, early, <laughs> like 6 a.m. flight. And it was, you know, it was late by this time. It was 930 or something. And I said, all right, let's go down to the lower level. Looks like they're going to lose. Let's just wait down there and see what happens to the city. And then we'll head out, which I don't like leaving games early, but I had an interview. I had to leave. Well, then that's when all of a sudden stuff stuff started to get crazy. And ultimately they won. I mean, the game didn't end until almost midnight. Kids, you know, (laughs) five-year-old kids were cheering in the parking lot at 1230 at night, you know, and it was a cool experience. And then of course they kind of lit the world on fire the next year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, now of course everything's changing and they're going to be bad again, probably for the next five to 10 years, but that's how it goes. <laughs> sure. But they've well, been through so um, much pain. I just appreciate who the, the fans, they're, they, uh, they're, they're obviously loyal fans and which is, which is cool. Cause it's not all about winning the world series. I mean, ultimately of course it is, but you know, there's other components to it. Yeah, well, and you mentioned pain. It's it's nothing like what I would compare to, say, the Cleveland Browns or the Miami, <laughs> Florida Marlins. Like, some teams are yeah. just bad and will, just know always will be bad, where Kansas City's had championships in their, in their not that long ago past, and, uh, and like in the early 80s, I mean, and, and now again in very recent past, but um, they have a beautiful stadium in a beautiful area of the country to call home, so it has a lot of things that would be easy to cheer for if you're if 
if you're waking up and had never heard of baseball and wanted to have a team to to follow, I could see why a lot of people would want to follow a team like Kansas City, I would think. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I, I wonder, you know, what's going to be uh, – I'm curious to see what happens with, like, Hosmer. It sounds like Kane is for sure gone with them. And Hosmer, though, you know, they have supposedly a seven-year offer on the table. Um, mm-hmm. If if he accepts it, uh, you know, he's here for that long, obviously, and I, I don't know if that's the best move. Not really sure. Um but I, my preference would have been Moustakis to, for them to sign longer uh, if they were going to do it at all. But, yeah. Sure. Well, you mentioned uh, decent tech support. What, what is the feeling of 2018-2019 uh, Royals there? Like, are people thinking that absolutely it's going to be a rebuild, or are they thinking maybe if we can keep around some of the potential outgoing free agents they can have another run in it or what what is the general like you mentioned they're probably going to be bad like I don't I don't know that a lot of people think they will be great this season but what do you what do you think the general feeling is of the Royals coming up yeah I I think um there most people I know I, I have one friend that's extremely diehard Royals fan um but most people I know are cautiously optimistic I'd say um, they're putting a lot of faith, I think, into Dayton Moore and the administration or the um, the Royals regime a little bit, and and having that they're going to make the right choices, um, kind of like we all do with uh, Falvey and Levine, you know. Sure. Um, and of course, you got to give them their credit where the credit's due. They've they've proven it uh, with the, mm-hmm. the last World Series, so I guess you you know um, you got to give them that. Uh, but you know, my friend that's diehard, he, he's he's coming into it thinking these young guys, um, and you know, uh, Mondesi and um, I forget that guy's out the outfielder's name. Um, well, of Soler. course, Solar or Solaire, and then there's another younger one, um, a, a Basher. Kind of hits hard, and he'll be good. But and then of course the third baseman, um, Cuthbert. Um, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, they're they're they got they got guys that are young and solid or decent, but it's nothing like where the Twins youth stands, you know, where you have guys like Polanco who could be either mediocre or turn into an absolute stud, um, mm-hmm. you know, or Kepler if he learns how to hit lefties, all of a sudden he's figured it out and. And could be something very special. Rosario, uh, if somehow this walk rate drops, <laughs> this he becomes a superstar potentially. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whereas they don't have many of those types of guys. Uh, they got a guy named uh, Hunter Dozier that's coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's supposed to be pretty good, but I wouldn't say he's going to light the world on fire. Um, they don't have the pitching that they used to have coming up. Um, uh, they're going to probably have a lot more of the uh, Nick Blackburn, Scott Baker types coming up over the next sure. couple of years that they're going to have to hopefully figure it out. Um, and that's kind of a fun time. Like I enjoy those guys coming up. That's kind of my thing, but sure. I think Royals fans are unfortunately going to be disappointed. It could be. Well, you said they don't have the pitching. Like to me, Danny Duffy is when he's healthy, the, a top two or three left-handed starter in the American League, and 
what is yeah. what is the deal with him? Like, um, I, I watch him when he's on; he's as unhittable as anybody. And then, I, I guess I don't. I can't get my head wrapped around why he isn't talked about more as a, like a dominant starter. Is it is it the injuries? Is it something else inconsistency wise? And do you see him playing out his career with the Royals, or is he? somebody that they should maybe think about trading if they're not going to be winning at this point. Yeah. Um, I personally think they should consider trading him um, because they could get, I think we talked about this on Twitter at one point is they could get a ton for him. Um, sure. I, I'm a huge fan of Duffy. I think, unfortunately, you know, it's a terrible thing that happened. Uh, but when Ventura uh, died, I mean, that, that yeah. fortunately put him in a hole. Um, and that, that's mm-hmm. just reality. But, um, you know, Danny Duffy got pushed into that ace spot. And uh, do, I, do I think he could be an ace? Yeah. I, do I think he has one today? No. Um, I think he's, he's a solid number two, maybe a number okay. one um, type guy. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, to your point, I think you should trade him and get a ton. Get a bunch of young guys and see if you can make another run at it. Um, but at the same time, I say that, and it's it's really hard to find, you know, those dominant number ones or number twos. So uh, it's, a, it's a tough conundrum they're in right now, I'd say. Sure, and I've read Duffy this offseason in the papers or maybe somewhere in Kansas City uh, radio or somewhere saying that he – really doesn't want to leave and he really wants to stay in Kansas city. And um, it felt more adamant than you sometimes hear players say about wanting to stay with a certain team. Like maybe that plays a part. Some smaller markets I have to imagine have a harder time convincing players to stay than others. And if you have a homegrown player that absolutely wants to stay with you, maybe it's harder to trade somebody like that. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I mean, you know, it's, it's the whole twins motto too, you know, when it's one of us, right. It's somebody from Minnesota mm-hmm. that we like Mauer, uh, we, we treat them maybe a little bit differently. Um, it's the same idea in my mind is yeah. Duffy wants to stay. And I, I honestly think Hosmer wants to stay too. And probably Moustakis and, and Kane too, but their contracts are going to probably eliminate them out of that equation. Um, but I, I, I think, it's that's where it's such a hard decision because if you don't see yourself as a team winning in the next three to four years, do you commit that much money and um, years to a Duffy? If you, if you're mm-hmm. confident that he can sustain that health and, and so forth, and you, and you have the ability like an archer to trade him at any given time. Um, if you are just one of the worst teams in the league, then maybe do it. Um, but you know, what do you think he's going to cost? Probably, 20 million at least a year. Um, maybe I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, some of, yeah, some of the other guys I looked up, you know, you got Jorge Bonifacio. That's the guy I was thinking about that outfielder. He's a sure. hitter. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Whit Merrifield is the other one that he's kind of just a, a solid player. Um, I wouldn't say he's ever going to be anything. He's not gonna be an all-star maybe right on the fringe of being an all-star, but never, mm-hmm. never an actual all-star. But they've been waiting, when, you know, and, one of the, the pro, pros, prospects they've been waiting on for a while is Bubba Starling. Uh, he's a local guy. Um, he's been in the system now, I think, for six or seven years, and he just still hasn't 
really figured it out. Um, and I think now he's about 26 years old almost. Sure. Well, you mentioned prospects. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right-handed starter that I thought was going to be a stud coming up, and he's just had injury after injury too, and maybe you can remind me his name, but he was a college starter, I think, for Oakland or San Francisco, one of the colleges out there in California, and he's just had oh, shoulder and elbow issues. Yeah, Kyle Zimmer, he's just another one where I have to imagine Kansas City was begging on him being in the rotation maybe the last two years, frankly, and it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Yeah, that actually, you know, every time I see my, my diehard Royals friend, I bring up, where's Kyle Zimmer? Why isn't why isn't he up there? Sure. <laughs> and you're right. It's He's in AAA right now, and he just, he's he's got the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. He's proven it in the minors. He just can't stay healthy. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we kind of uh, glossed over it a little. What made you move to Kansas City? Why why Kansas City, I guess? Yeah, uh, it was – so my wife and I, uh, we – she's from Manhattan, Kansas, uh, which is okay. where uh, Kansas State University is. Uh, sure. And, you know, so we have season tickets to K-State football and – uh, her parents sure. uh, live there still, and her dad's a professor at the university. And oh, cool. uh, so, yeah, it, it's about a two-hour drive from Kansas City. Uh, but when we had our first kids, we wanted to, our first child, we wanted to be kind of near them a little bit. Uh, plus, ultimately, uh, it was between Denver and Kansas City, and we just felt like Kansas City was um, kind of fell in love with it. Uh, the plaza area is a really pretty area, um, and. Uh, it's kind of hard to beat that area, and we just—that was actually where we just fell in love with the city. Sure, that's awesome. So, is she uh, a diehard Michael Beasley fan, or is that not something <laughs> yeah. you'd bring up much in your house? <laughs> yeah, you know, that was the first time I met her. Was um, it was when Beasley was starting to. I think it was his freshman. Well, it was only a year. He was only there for a freshman year. Um, it was he was just entering his freshman year, and I had met her the year before, and that's actually why I started getting into K State sports. Um, okay, was because of was because of Beasley, and he had Jacob Pullen, who's now in the NBA uh, after being years in Europe, um, and a lot of other guys. Bill, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his last name. Anyway, uh, a lot of these guys that were just solid players, and then they went to the Elite Eight that year, and. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, Bill Snyder is kind of the you know worship in their in that city and in their household. So um, <laughs> that's why we and they they always make a you know a relative good run every year in football and just sure. miss it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So um, we you kind of touched on it earlier how you played a little bit and played in college. But um, the one question I like to ask on this show for everyone is why baseball. And you kind of mentioned some of the players you liked, but what was it or was there like a family member or friend or cousin or something you saw that, uh, that you have a memory, a first memory of why you got into loving the sport? Yeah. Um, I've always loved baseball. I mean, as a kid, you know, my, my dad would come home from work and I'd say, Hey, let's go to the park. Let's hit some balls or Hey, let's, uh, let's go shake fly balls or, Oh, 
Um, let's go throw the ball around. I had, you know, I had one of those nets you throw a ball against and constantly catching fly balls or throwing a ball against the garage. It was always like that. Uh, why I loved it, I, you know, I just think baseball has so many analogies uh, or correlations to everything we do in daily life. Um, I know there's all those sports analogies and so forth that we all use. I mean, I'm in sales, so there's constant baseball analogies. Um, sure. But it's true. And I think what's cool about baseball, it's a very, it's a, people, you know, think about it as a skill, you know, can you hit a curveball that's on the outside corner going X miles per hour? But really at the, at the same time, it's extremely mental. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like, for example, I think I talked about earlier a little bit, I wasn't a very good hitter um, growing up. Um, I was always the leadoff hitter cause I was teeny. So people thought I'd take walks, but <laughs> I never saw value in that at that age, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. now I would, but, um, uh, you know, it, it, I always thought too much about the pitch coming at me. Um, you know, it's the whole sea ball, hit ball, uh, mentality. Yeah. What Billy Bean always says, right. Is mm-hmm. it's in his book. It's, it's, uh, the guys that you'd think were going to be studs turned out not to be cause they, they got in their head such as him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's how I always thought it. I just thought too much up there. Um, and that's why I think it's so cool about baseball is there's so much strategy and decision-making that you can make throughout the game. You have to constantly be aware of what the situation is, you know, how many guys are on base, how many outs there are, you know, where the throw needs to go. Uh, when, if it's hit to you, um, in this situation, you know, do I need to back up this guy or, or whatever the, the, the call is or this, you know, then of course now we're bringing sabermetrics into it today uh, on the bigger and the larger scene is, you know, this guy really struggles with inside pitches or this guy really struggles with the curveball, um, And that's a simplistic example, of course, but it's uh, th- that's where baseball, I think can go to a whole nother level. Um, you know, we, uh, I was a coach actually right out of uh, um, after uh college uh, a friend of mine we coached uh the Moundsview um uh, it was a Shoreview ball team actually and we we had a we actually didn't have enough guys to field a whole team we only had mm-hmm. eight guys so my friend and I we had to go recruit people recruit kids that used mm-hmm. to play and bring mm-hmm. them to the team and we ended up recruiting mm-hmm. three we had to meet their parents and talk to them about why we needed them to play <laughs> And the reason I'm bringing this up is we ended up getting a, a team, I think, of 11 players. And you had about four guys that were, were pretty good, if not really good. Um, mm-hmm. Then you had a few, like, mediocre guys. And then you had a few guys that they had maybe Some others, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like one guy maybe was really fast, but he couldn't make contact with the ball. Uh, one mm-hmm. guy couldn't move almost at all, but he could throw the ball pretty hard. Or he had a good glove. Mm-hmm. And we took those components, and this is where we had fun. I mean, it was like a, it was like a game of chess, you know. This guy <laughs> was really fast and could get on base. We're going to get him on base every time. And, you know, at that age, I think those, those guys were 15, 16. We had the same play every game <laughs> to start every game. Had the same guy uh, get on base because he was, his on base percentage must have been 600 to 700. And <laughs> the next guy up would, would just bunt down the third baseline, but at the same time, the guy in first base would steal. And mm-hmm. so the guy from third would throw it to first, and the guy that was stealing mm-hmm. gets to third base, and by then we have one out, guy in third. Every game we almost <laughs> had that. <laughs> <And it> was, <laughs> it's 
So we always started the game with one nothing, and uh, we ended up going to state that year with just a hodgepodge bunch. It was fun, um, but that's where baseball that's awesome. is fun. You know, it's you, you just kind of take the components and the parts and use those strengths to your benefit. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, kind of switching gears. Um, uh, we sort of talked about this before the show today, but your general thoughts on the off season so far as a whole, and then we can talk more about the twins if if, if you desire. Yeah, I'm uh, absolutely up for that. Uh, yeah, um, the, yeah, the off season. And obviously, you and I talk about this this pretty regularly, but. Uh, off season is so interesting. This is the oddest off season I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I think I just read something about the top 11, 11 of the top 15 free agents haven't even been signed yet. Um, mm-hmm. which is just unheard of by this time. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the twins, I, I know a lot of people are probably maybe fans that aren't as, uh, into this as we are. Um, I, 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 I'm not that disappointed with the off season so far. The, I sure. know Rodney's nothing amazing and Zach Duke's nothing incredible, but they, I'm glad they didn't commit long-term deals to them. Um, Zach Duke uh, has potential to be better than what he, his numbers show. Uh, he's coming mm-hmm. off as Tommy John and uh, his, his numbers historically have reflected to be much stronger than, than what last year showed. And he came back, I guess, mm-hmm. one of the quickest ever from Tommy John um, and was able to make a couple months of appearances. Um, and Rodney, I mean, old man Rodney, is he's, uh, <laughs> he's historically, he's, I mean, you just never know what you're going to get out of him. But he's a good clubhouse guy, supposedly. Good mentor for these young guys, uh, is my hope. And, uh, you know, Obviously, he's going to slot right in with those, that closer spot, which is which is great. It takes the pressure off potentially putting Hildenberger in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would love to say, hey, yeah, let's go get Wade Davis or Greg Holland or one of those types, but that that, mm-hmm. that puts you potentially in a huge uh, uh, hole for the the coming years to sign the guys we do have uh, that we want to sign mm-hmm. long term. Now, I say all this with with we all know. They have to do one other move, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we can all be extremely disappointed if we don't get a starting pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it doesn't have to be Darvish. I hope it is. Not everyone says that, but I I hope it's Darvish. Because in my mm-hmm. opinion, the drop-off off Darvish to Coblin Arietta is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to already be committing a sizable amount of money if you're going to commit that kind of money, you might as well do it to somebody that has, has the potential to be an ace or is usually an ace, I should say. Mm-hmm. Whereas Arietta's numbers are starting to kind of float the opposite direction. Um, Cobb and Linz are, you know, they're solid pitchers, but are they, are they even number ones? I don't know. I would say no. Um, so what's your impression? Yeah, I I actually really my favorite move so far has been the Zach Duke move. Uh like we said, Parker Hageman of Twins Daily had an awesome article a few weeks ago now on how just unhittable Duke is statistically when he throws complete sidearm compared to three quarters where he's yeah. sort of hittable. And and 
that kind of move for a front office where they see stats like that and say, hey, if we can just tweak it a little so he throws complete underarm, sidearm, the majority of the time we might really find somebody who's just as dominant as as anybody left on the market. Like that move excites me to um, add Duke and Rodney. I think Rodney's still um, – I, I was reading about him where in the 55 games – he pitched last year. He had six games where he gave up more than two runs in those outings, and yeah. the and the yeah, rest of the games that. he was basically unhittable. So if if the front office can put him in a clean inning, at, you know, facing uh, three guys with nobody on, um, I think that's a pretty good role for him to play rather than the higher leverage roles that some of the other maybe more qualified pitchers like Hildenberger or Duke or uh, hopefully Chargois or some of, some of the other guys you can put into the higher leverage situations can hopefully handle and Rodney can take the ninth with uh, clean inning. And I think that would work out pretty well. So yeah. And that's uh, the, we that's the thing it too. Is, yeah. That's clearly, they have confidence in these young guys coming up, you know, whether it's, like mm-hmm. you said, Chaguar or Curtis or Moya or mm-hmm. potentially, I mean, I, I hope not, but May or Jay or um, mm-hmm. even Hildy or Busenitz. You know, you, you just, who knows? Uh, those guys, they clearly have confidence in that. Maybe not this year, but maybe by August, September, those guys step to the plate and say, they take over the closer role. You don't know, uh, you know? So it's, uh, I mean, it's a good situation to have, but I would have been, much more frustrated if they would have committed to anything beyond probably two years. I would have been thinking like that's that's a risky move. Well, it certainly can be. Going into the off season, I I very honestly wanted someone like um, I was thinking they would they would give out one contract like Colorado has not not for Wade Davis, but uh, the Brian Shaw. And um, yeah. uh, who is the lefty? The uh, Jake McGee. W- one of those deals for three years. I kind of just assumed the Twins would give out, but it's been interesting to see their path of still never once giving out a multi-year deal to an outside bullpen reliever. Um, yeah, that's not a, yeah, house guy. Like they've they've just never done that. So um, to see that they're still following through with that and putting some trust in there. Uh, guys already in the system, it it, it either gives you hope or um, maybe they'll attack the trade deadline. I mean, who knows? But it's it's a good they they have numbers, so it's it's interesting to see. And we um, the idea that you and I have talked about offline on adding guys to roles to push other players down into lower leverage situations where they maybe can thrive a little easier is it helps helps the team as a whole as well yeah and that's that's you know really where um i i stand on this is you know you my hope my my ideal hope is they sign darvish which you know is a huge hope um and it would be probably one of the biggest transactions in not just twins history but minnesota sports history um mm-hmm. and and then they, I would love to see them go big because this is this is the off season potentially to do it because next off season contracts are going to be insane because um, there's so much competition for such 
high quality players out there, they're going to, they're going to be paying high dollars. Um, And so if you could trade for like an archer somehow, and I I realize a lot of people don't, they get close to their minor league assets. uh, But if you can somehow trade some of those younger guys that we have a plethora of um, and get an archer at a relatively decent contract, that does, like you said, it pushes down the, uh, the the Trevor Mays, the uh, Felix Jorge's, the uh, Sleggers, the uh, Cole Stewart's, um, potentially even Phil Hughes and, you know, ends. I mean, ends is priority in the bullpen, but it pushes mm-hmm. those guys down and into the bullpen. You, you look at what exists today in the, in the majors um, of X twins that were starters, uh, failed starters, Hendricks and Dunstein mm-hmm. and Swarzik and, Liriano, those guys are, are they're thriving. Um, at least mm-hmm. three of those. Um, and Liriano's doing okay, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Uh, and it's you know, like we, you and I talked about, you, you get these pusher, you get push these pitchers down, and all boats rise, right? And it makes the team stronger as a whole. Sure, and yeah, I'm with you. Darvish would be my my choice to add as a starter. He he's the I think clearly the most talented, and he also comes with not having to attach a draft pick or trade anything for yeah. him. He would be my idea of who I would uh, uh, attempt to acquire. I think Cobb would be my second with a bullet, but he's not hes not at the Darvish level for me, but I think he's better than the rest of the free agents that are available um, without necessarily trading players. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, with you. I think it, they will I do wouldn't... something. Yeah, I, they better, and that, that's that's ultimately I think they have to do something where, whether it's it, Darvish being one, you know priority one, um, and it seems by all accounts it seems like that that's all they're focusing on right now, which is great. But I'm I'm scared of Arietta. Uh, his his peripherals seem to start. They they seem to show something where it's it's not trending the right direction. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. As much as I, I like that guy's mental toughness. It, ultimately baseball catches up to you Um, ultimately age, age wins or whatever fatigue. It doesn't, it catches up to you. So um, Cobb and Lynn would be my second priorities as well. Sure. All right. So uh, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because there was something you told me about earlier today that I was really excited to hear more on with you more on, but I, um, you, you were mentioning you uh, are in a fantasy baseball league that is different than anything I've really personally ever participated in called Imagine Sports. And I, I wanted to hear more about what that is and what you do with that league because it sounds really exciting. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's I, uh, I didn't even think about talking about this until today when you and I were, were on Twitter, but it's um, – so, and I have no, you know, no affiliation with ownership of this. There's no, I'm not promoting it by any <laughs> means from like a, you know, to, to reap rewards, but it's, it's, I talk about this cause it's such a cool website. I don't think anyone knows about it. Sure. Eventually I see it getting acquired by somebody major, but it's a website called imaginesports.com. And I've been doing it since I moved to Kansas city. I met a bunch of uh, guys that were just diehard baseball fans. Most of them Royals mm-hmm. fans. Um, but just baseball fans. I'm hands down the youngest in this group uh, of guys. Um, but 
they know you know they know players from the 60s and 70s um and 80s and you know of course i i was born in 83 so i grew mm-hmm. up with puckett and and uh joe carter those that was those guys um so i know sure. that really well but we started in 2010 and uh what it is is you draft and this is what we do we pay $25 into the league with imagine sports and then you have virtual you have access to virtual stats of players that played back in that time. So we started in 1970 and you can start any year okay. you want. But we started in 1970 and we drafted players from 1970. And uh you create a team off those that draft uh and then you play virtual games according to their lifetime average stats. And you play three games a day, virtually, uh, and then up to 162 games uh, mm-hmm. until the season's over, which I think takes about three months, uh, two or three months. And, um, and you do it Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday's a day off. By the end mm-hmm. of the season, um, you, know, you, you can see all these stats. You can see detailed Saber metrics and how your <laughs> player's doing versus another player. You can scout opponents on here. It's really cool stuff. Um, and there's injuries that get pertain to this. So if there's a guy that's out for a year, they're out for that next year. Um, but then at the end of the season, four teams make the playoffs. And this is kind of how we do it. But basically, whoever wins the league in the playoffs, you do a best of seven series for each round. Whoever wins the league, you end up getting a memorabilia item from a guy that's on your team. Uh, because everyone put $25 in to... to yeah. uh, um, for that, towards that prize. So yeah, I've, I've won twice out of 20, we're in 1994 now. And, uh, I've won twice out of 24 years in this league. Um, so I got a Robin Yount signed bat and I have a Burt Blylevin signed baseball in my office here. So, um, it's, it's a cool league though. Yeah. So I'm curious how, so you said if you're drafting in say, the 1975 season, you're going to be yeah. drafting players that that literally played during that season, um, but their statistics weren't necessarily from just 1975. It was maybe an average of their yeah. entire statistics for the entire time they played. Is that how it is? Or could you, if you were drafting 1975, could you draft a player that didn't literally play in that year? Or is that kind of how it goes? Yeah, so it's a reflection of their entire career stats, um, the average around their entire career. Um, and you, so if you drafted a player in 1970, and that, like Hank Aaron, let's say, he retired, I yeah. forget what year he retired, let's say 77. You have that player on your team, Hank Aaron, uh, until 1977, and then he retires. He's off your team. Okay. But you know that coming into like 1977 season, and so you know you probably need – um, a position that's going to replace Hank Aaron. Uh, yeah. And, uh, or for that matter, um, you know, when, then when you, when you draft in 1975, like your question was, you get all the players that were rookies uh, in 1975, you, they're draftable now. And uh, okay. It, it, yeah. So then you add them to your team basically. Um, so over time you're, you're, you know, my, for example, here's my team uh, today in time. Uh, catchers Brad Osmus and Todd Hunley, not very great. 
uh, JT Snow at, at first base along with Frank Thomas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Williams at third base and uh, George Bell in outfield, Ellis Burks, Brett Butler. Uh, you got uh, Robin Yount, um, Roger Clemens, Scott Erickson, Dwight Gooden, Randy Johnson, Flan- uh, Fernando Valenzuela, and then a bunch of closers, Hoffman and Steve Howe. But what's cool about it is you get to learn about yeah. being a 34-year-old. I don't know many. I, I, you hear these names from 70s and the 60s mm-hmm. and 50s or whatever it is, but you don't know their stats and how good they actually were. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see some of these guys because then you go, well, gosh, you always hear how great this guy was, but to be honest, he, <laughs> his stats don't reflect that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's kind of like uh, – uh, is it war that compares you're able to compare over time um sure you know a player's stats from one period in time to another so i'm still trying to learn saber metrics that's one area where i really want to learn so <laughs> well and I, i'm curious so when you have a player in your team they like you mentioned fernando valenzuela and i just um if you had told me he played in – I know he started in about 1979 or 80. I had no idea he was still playing in 1994. So yeah. once a player retires, they can't be on your team anymore. So he must have been playing up at least a little bit through 1994. Like how 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 many games does a player have to play to be allowed to be eligible in the league for a season? Yeah, good. Yeah, so if they were in a season at all – um, then they're eligible. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's a, I think it was Steve Howe, um, the closer, closer on my team. He, I think he was out of the league for a couple of years, uh, for, uh, personal reasons. And, mm-hmm. uh, then he came back and, and, uh, so those two years he was gone, I can't use him. Uh, but then he came back and then he's available again. Okay. Um, yeah, and so, but like if uh, like Valenzuela, he didn't pitch a ton in 1997. Actually, yeah, he did. He pitched a good amount in 97, but 94 is a better example. He pitched, uh, I think, 45 innings. It looks like pitched 45 innings in 1994. He's still fully available, even though he's a starting pitcher. I think he got hurt at sure. one point during the season, and it qualifies players as were they injury prone? Were they? Mm-hmm. Um, they call them, I think it was iron, uh, iron players or from an injury <laughs> standpoint. And, uh, and so then those guys, they're going to be in and out of your lineup a lot because they're hurt, um, mm-hmm. throughout the season. Well, and so one player that kind of comes to mind for a game like this, that would be fun to see just for their career stats is Minnie Minoso, the, uh, former White Sox, former Negro league player who, Famously played in what six decades of professional ball, <laughs> where yeah. he would have an at yeah. bat in you know 2000 with I think it was the Saints or one of the other affiliated league teams, um, just to say he played in six decades. Uh, I'm just curious with somebody like that who played had one at bat in yeah. 2000 and one at bat in 1990, just as kind of a promotional thing, but did have an at bat. Uh, if they could use their statistics from, it would have to be Major League Baseball statistics, right? Like you couldn't use somebody like that in their their Negro League statistics or Cuban statistics or things like that, right? Yeah. So, 
they um, so when he played for the White Sox, he actually was in our league. Um, and the, the, the what what's going to devalue him is that the number of at bats, and then you also get like there's a they're rated on salary. Um, sure. And so if that if their salary is low, then most people stay away from that player and they don't add them okay. to their team. Um, yeah. But, you know, they take into account like defensive statistics. So one of the defensive whizzes from uh, the eighties and nineties was Mike Benjamin. Um, mm-hmm. He was um, a defensive whiz at second, short, third, and, but he couldn't hit worth a lick. Um, <laughs> and, but he's great to bring in. You can make these qualifications. You can say after, the eighth inning, I want to bring in Mike Benjamin to take over for Paul Molitor oh, cool. at second base. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it saves the game a little bit. Yeah. What I'll have to pull it up myself, but what does the gameplay look like? I played, I, I played PC games uh, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, like Hardball 3. That was the first like PC baseball game I played that I absolutely loved and used more time on than I kid would admit now but um what what does the gameplay look like when you're playing uh one of your games is it uh, describe it i guess yeah so there's a couple different options so most of the time i don't actually like watch the uh, the uh the actual virtual game the, the the games happen i think it's at like six in the morning is the first game or five in okay. the morning something like that central time and then the next game is usually, I think, at like 11 a.m. Central Time or 11.30 a.m. And then the net, net last game is at 5 p.m. Central Time. And okay. you can have I th- you have the option to do something. It's kind of like GameCast, you know, on ESPN. It's the, the same sure. idea. You can see plays happening and so forth and see the inning end. Um, you're not actually watching players hit or anything like that. Um, Got it. Okay. It just says, you know, hey, guy popped out or – struck out or whatever it is. Uh, otherwise, you just see the final score, which is really what I do most of okay. the time is, oh, I lost, or oh, I won. So Sure. That's cool. Well, so um, I guess I don't want to take too much more of your time. It's getting late <laughs> and we all have kids. But um, before I end the show, before we go, I wanted to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your time, but I also wanted to ask if you could maybe give your Twitter handle uh, a mention just so if people are listening and want to ask you or talk to you about anything baseball related, they can, they can get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Corey, thank you. It was, uh, it was fun. Obviously I, I, this is the first time you and I have talked on the phone. Um, and, uh, and uh, so hopefully someday we'll meet in person, but uh, um, you know, mostly of course we talk on Twitter and for anyone that wants to converse <laughs> with me about the twins or sports or whatever it might be, um, I'm at at Shea McGinnity, S H E A M C G I N N I T Y, and uh, yeah, this was fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, the pleasure's all mine. It was really, I had a good time. So yeah, let's let's plan on that. If you're in the cities or if I'm uh, down near Kansas City, I will I will absolutely let you know. So. Yep, sounds good. We'll catch a Royals game. Deal. I will hold you to that. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I appreciate it, Corey. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, have a good rest of your night, then, and, and let's chat again soon when the twins sign you, Darvish. Yeah, absolutely. All right, have a good one. All right. Have a good night. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and this is Baseball is Good. Have a good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.